Hi, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith is still on his very long assignment uh, since last summer. Um, he's been on the show a few times and, and will continue to be. If you want to know what's go- going on with him, you can uh, read updates at caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Uh, there was a new one just uh, just this week. You can also um, make sure if you haven't and if you can, it would be really appreciated if you could donate to the GoFundMe, which you can find. Uh, there's a post pinned to the top of the homepage at battleshippretension.com that'll give you a link to to that. Help Tyler and his family with uh, the medical costs of being in one hospital or another for over half a year. Um, it's not cheap. So, um, yeah, so uh, please, please do that. Um, Real quick, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I, well, not Tyler right now. I've confirmed he doesn't use them right now, but I use them each and every day of my life. Today, uh, I was listening to the new Miley Cyrus album, uh, Endless Summer Vacation. And uh, it was, uh, she's she's got a lot of... uh, uh, Hi, uh, what's what's one of the high profile collaborators uh, like Sia and Brandy Carlisle and there's some some big name producers on on the album and it seems like it's kind of uh picking back up on the like sort of mature pop uh uh road she was on before she detoured with the the whatever the 2020 album was called that was like her Pat Benatar album <laughs> um this one doesn't have quite as many guitars but uh uh, yeah, I liked it and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer, the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back, and why by we, I don't just mean the royal we. Uh, there is someone filling in for Tyler this week. Uh, it is, please welcome back to the show, actually, uh, Battleship Pretensions resident musicologist, West Anthony. How are you, West? Fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, I'm uh, coming through loud and clear and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think to ask before we started, but because uh, I, I have a oh, yeah, recording. Sure I said something. Yeah, I have a recording set up in, in my closet now because I have a little walk-in closet. Now I have all the stuff to do any recordings or anything of any kind just in here now because the acoustics, I think, uh, work out better this way. It's very cool. Yeah, um, I should probably I've been recording podcasts for, what, 15, 16 years. I should probably have something, some sort of professional setup as opposed to just like sitting well. around my home office. <laughs> Well, I didn't say professional. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> but I actually do have a, a, a friend, a friend of Natalie's, Natalie's really, but I've known her for long enough that I consider her a friend, um, who is a professional, like, uh, uh, voice artist. She does mostly commercials, but she's also done some, like, uh, um, animation, animated series and, and, and stuff. And, uh, yeah, even for, like, the biggest name, like, 
chain, you know, stores and stuff that she's doing ads for. She's do, doing it at home in her closet. She's just built up like a little like uh, pro studio in her in her closet. So I guess you're you really are just like the pros. West is what I'm saying. Well, maybe. I mean, I I I could put in some some kind of like soundproofing stuff behind me and on the door over here. I could do that. I mean, I got a bunch of clothes hang up over here, and because it is a closet, so that's going to yeah. absorb <laughs> some sound. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, I'd like to get a chair in here maybe one day. Are but, you just standing right now? Yeah, I can kind of. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. standing because uh, you know the thing is, I mean, I have chairs, but I don't have a chair tall enough to accommodate where all this is set up. So, okay. but also, I find that uh, standing actually kind of helps me to focus my my attention on what I'm doing. So, because that's uh, I yeah, I don't I don't know if anybody cares about this, but uh, yeah, just as a test. On this, I, uh, well, maybe I mentioned this to you, but I, I recorded a whole audio book in here, uh, <laughs> like, uh, just last year, late last year, somewhere okay. around there. And, uh, so, and I don't know, I, I think it turned out okay. So yeah. it might be something that I will do more of in the future. Can people find that anywhere? Uh, I mean, you know, unless I send it to you, uh, no, because the thing is, it's, oh, okay. well, you know, we're, we're dealing with other people's copyrighted material, you know? And so it's like, I mean, I'm never going to sell it because that's you know okay. going to lead to all kinds of problems. But in this case, you know, it's just, um, well, it's, it's fast times at Ridgemont high, uh, okay. which has been out of print for decades. And so I figured that maybe some people I know might, you know, be curious about it. Cause you know, a lot of people have never even had the opportunity to read it. Yeah, I've never read it. So yeah, I might reach out. <laughs> um, uh, so to, the, the, I mean, to the listeners already uh, have probably looked at the title of, of the episode and know what we're what we're doing here. We, um, uh, you know, we generally um, save tributes to um, film related artists who have passed for our profile episodes, but a lot of people have died recently. Um, so uh we we kind of when when i realized we weren't going to be able to do an official like profile of the late great angelo badalamenti i was like well we can't ignore his his work uh i gotta turn to west i've gotta let west guide us uh not through his entire filmography because this again this is not a uh a full-on profile like we did with uh um Morricone, um, the, but, but, um, this is West's sort of five favorite picks. Is that how you, is that how you describe them? Yeah, pretty much. And, okay. you know, might as well just warn everybody right now that it is going to be, you know, pretty David Lynch heavy. So I mean, he, he has worked with other people to be yeah, wait, sure. You didn't, you didn't pick a track from national lampoons, Christmas vacation. Uh, I, I did briefly consider just, I, I like scanned through a couple of things cause I, I do have a copy of, uh, so they never really officially released it, but I got something, but I just thought, no, no, there's nothing really here that I want to talk about, Yeah, but, but there's, I mean, but he, yeah, he has worked with, with other people and you know, there, there is one example there, but that, that's kind of the thing is that I, most people, if they know him at all, they know him from his association with David Lynch because they've been linked very closely together for just decades. Yeah. Do you, um, sorry to put you on the spot if you don't, but how, do you know how they came to work together? Uh, my understanding was that, um, 
because he's he's worked as a as a musical director and uh you know he's you know uh written and arranged and and produced uh you know some some pop records he produced in the in in, in the height of Beatlemania and in the mid 60s he produced a song I believe it was called uh, Santa bring me Ringo or send me Ringo or something like that okay. um <laughs> but but the thing is, is that he was hired to work with um and I'm blanking out on her name she played Dorothy in the in the movie uh, Blue Velvet. Uh, gosh, um, what? Uh, Isabella Rossellini. Yes, Isabella. Thank you. Is, he was he was hired to work with her for her singing, and okay. and in, and in fact, you'll you'll see that he plays uh, the piano in the scenes in the Slow Club. That's him in there. Um, but I guess uh, he and Lynch got along during you know that period of, of, uh, rehearsals and, and working with Isabella. Uh, cause I know I'm pretty sure also that, uh, Isabella and David Lynch were together at, they were a couple at the time, uh, but as a result of that collaboration, Lynch invited Angelo to, uh, to just compose the score for the movie. Uh, and you know what, I mean, that's a great, uh, way in. Why don't we start by hearing some of that, score uh let's hear it and then we'll talk about it afterwards I I absolutely love that uh, that prelude for for the movie. It, it's only it's like less than two minutes long, but it sets the mood in such a, a a brilliant fashion. It's it's romantic, it's mysterious, it's got a little hint of menace to it. It's it's everything that you're going to have in in the movie. Of course, you know, you'll have a lot of it and maybe more of it and probably in ways that you weren't expecting because it's David Lynch. But it just it sets the tone so perfectly. It's just an and it's an, an absolutely just luscious piece of music. It's not a word I use to describe music often, but it, it really works on that one. Uh, and again, like just under two minutes and just boom, you're right in there. You're locked in. So. And then, then the next thing you hear is uh, the, the song "Blue Velvet," which you know, it just doesn't doesn't measure up at all. <laughs> I mean, it is a classic, but it just you can't hope to uh, to to just you know just be you know push that uh, you know the, the music for the prelude out of your mind. I can't anyway. 
um, yeah, it does, I think, set the tone that we're going to be watching a, a first off, we're going to be, we're about to see what's essential, what's a film noir, but it's set in the present day at the time, but it's also set in, you know, uh, a less explored part of the world that feels otherworldly, but also classical at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the fascinating things about what David Lynch does. He takes sort of, you know, ordinary, close to mundane settings that we think we have a great deal of familiarity with. And then he just sort of dives in and finds just a really weird, uncanny angle. Yeah. Um, do you want to move on to your second one then? Yeah. Let's see. What was the second one? <laughs> the second one, I think chronologically should be from Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. That's right. And yeah. uh, wow. That movie. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, it, that movie is, is, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. And, you know, I really, if, if I had my druthers, I probably would have just gone with the theme from Twin Peaks. But because technically that's from a TV show, I figured yeah. Yeah, you probably I, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't well, let that and go. Also, and also, this is when when Angelo Badalamenti died. This is the song that I thought to like tweet my my like R.I.P. Angelo Badalamenti tweet. This is the song that I like tweeted the YouTube link to. So uh, let's hear it real quick. Okay.
And this, I mean, right off the bat, you see how versatile he is. When you mm-hmm. listen to the, uh, the, the the prelude from Blue Velvet, and then you listen to this music, which is just like really uh, just a, a grind in a way. Um, and I remember how the music was used in the scene where, you know, you could barely hear what anybody was saying. They used, they put in subtitles yeah. because yeah. the music was so loud, which is just uh, probably also one of the most realistic portrayals of what it sounds like in a club. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that's always yeah, the thing that bugs uh, me in, in those movies where, in other more in a club where you know people are just like talking in a regular conversational tone of voice, and it's like you should be yeah. like screaming each other your heads off. But okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I definitely remember thinking that like as much as I like Whitstone and I like Last Days of Disco, but there's a lot of just people just like sitting around this discotheque <laughs> talking in that movie. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, this song. Uh, I was going to say something else about that. I was going to say, I actually just had this thought, like, is there, you know how in like thrillers, when someone thinks they're being like watched or listened to, they like turn on the water or something like, is there a movie where someone says, meet me at the club (laughs) so they can talk illicit things with no one being able to hear? I feel like that's, um, that would be a a good use of a, a real life thing. Anyway, I'm off, I'm off track. No, I don't uh, think that has yeah. happened though. That is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, like I said, it was a song I, I, I thought to, to tweet a, a link to it's the, it's the scene that I think of first when I think of this movie, because um, especially now that I have seen a year, years ago, I saw this at the new Beverly. Cause I was, this came out in 92. Yeah. That was the, year I, that was the year I turned 10. I oh, wouldn't have even okay. known, of, known of this movie, much less, much less, much less seen it in the theater. So I didn't discover this movie until the late nineties on VHS. Um, and then eventually I bought the DVD when I was in college, but then, uh, yeah, the new Beverly years ago did a Mulholland drive twin peaks firewalk with me double feature. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and now I've since watched it on Blu-ray as well, but I think, um, seeing that scene, as and, and hearing this song as loud as it's meant to be where it it just obliterates everything else uh is 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 so powerful and probably why it left such a lasting mark on my on my psyche uh but like you say yeah he when 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 i think of him generally when i when i thought of him before this i thought of twin peaks i thought of it being lush i thought of there being synths since uh that's a weird word word to say synths sometimes um but this is percussive it's got rhythm and blues but it's also like uh mean and dirty and yeah it's, it sounds kind of skanky <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah that that is one of the things that i like about it <laughs> yeah um wow at this rate this is going to be a very short episode um but yeah uh, oh you know what here's a quick bit of trivia though uh before we move on to the next one um yeah fire walk with me was the last movie that i saw uh at uh what was at the time the uh the ua theater in north hollywood remember the one on on victory i mean it it changed hands and it became like something else and then like towards the end it was like you know a dollar fifty for whatever it was you know on on victory near laurel canyon Victory and Laurel. I can't picture it. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't picture it because that wasn't the part of North Hollywood I lived in. Laurel and Victory. 
Because I thought I well, I, I'm pretty sure Tyler went to that theater quite a bit. Um. Oh, and then it became. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. It was called the. Um, oh. yeah, I, I think it was a Regal for a while. Yeah, it was like the Regency. Regency. It had, yeah, it was a Regency something. Yes, of course. I went there many times. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah. was it, at yeah. that in the nineties. It was it was the United Artists Theater. That's that's what that that chain. And yeah, that was the last movie that I saw there because then uh, I was spending almost all my time exclusively on the west side of the valley, and so you know, I mean, there's plenty of theaters over there. But uh, but yeah, I I've been to that theater quite a few times. That was also the theater where I saw my first Midnight movie back in the. Oh, yeah like late seventies, early eighties, somewhere around there. Saw the Rocky horror picture show there. Oh, you know, I've never actually seen that in a theater, which is oh. probably the way to see it. Uh, but I do like Rocky horror. Um, I'm trying to think the first midnight movie I ever went to, I think would have been, I, I know where it was. It was at the Tivoli, um, in, in St. Louis, uh, which is an old, like, you know, silent, uh, type of uh, palace that's been you know packed up into three different screens now but the first the main screen is still pretty big um or i don't know i haven't been there in years and i think because i saw a lot of midnight movies there i think the first one i ever saw might have been the doom generation um which wow. would have been still uh fairly new at at that time um which by the way is being uh like remastered in 4k um the doom generation oh, okay uh, uh, Tyler's not here to tell you how much he hates that movie, but I like the Doom Generation a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, I don't hate it, but yeah, it's not one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, I uh, I just like that era of Greg Araki, that uh, very um, provocative era. Uh, and not that I don't like his, you know, Mysterious Skin is an amazing movie. Probably might be my best, my favorite movie of 2005. Um, but it does feel like Greg Rocky, like the, Tyler and I've always said that mysterious skin is Greg Rocky saying like, you know, I can do this if I want to, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can, you know, I can make like a, a, a serious drama of, of a movie, but, um, anyway, we're, we're way off track. Uh, yeah, we mentioned, I mean, I made, I made a reference to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He also did the third Nightmare on Elm Street, which is which I've never seen. Uh, but I feel like his sensibilities probably seem pretty pretty suited to like a dreamy slasher movie. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which ones that I've seen. I know I've seen like at least two, but I can't remember which numbers they are. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, we're we're taking a a, a leap of. Uh, well, I guess that was a six-year leap, and now we're doing a seven-year leap. Uh, in between, he did The City of Lost Children, um, Moore Lynch with uh, with Lost Highway. He did Arlington Road, which I've never seen but heard good things about. That's pretty um, good. Yeah. Uh, but then his the, the next one that you've, you've picked is from 1999's The Straight Story. Uh, so let's hear that right now.
that was uh that movie was amazing to me because it just i really didn't know he had it in him i guess uh david lynch that is you know it just yeah. it felt like wait he's gonna make a you know a warm-hearted film that's suitable for the whole family with walt disney pictures and it's going to be rated g this is going to be a train wreck of some kind that's yeah. what i thought i really did think that and i i guess i should have known better but yeah i mean it it not only was it not a train wreck, he basically jumped the train over the Snake River Canyon and stuck the landing. It was that good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it is a thing of beauty. And uh, the score really, you know, helps immensely. Um, one of the things that when I was just rewatching it the other day, I was kind of struck by the way that you know, because there are stretches where there's just no dialogue. There's just a guy just, you know, going down the road. Um and there is music, but I don't know, for some reason, I thought that there was, I can't got, I had the feeling that like there was more music in there than there actually was, you know, I mean, like when you think about how Hitchcock used Bernard Herman in Vertigo, I mean, he's got that thing covered. <laughs> there's, there's music all over Vertigo and, you know, he, you know, Herman just basically, he, he saw an opportunity and he ran with it, but uh, Angelo Badalamenti, it, I mean, the, and what what music is in there is choice, but uh, it it is used altogether very sparingly, uh, and and it uh, it still though it it sets the mood, uh, and there's, there's several different moods. You know, there's there's you know kind of uh, there's jaunty moods, there's there's very dramatic moods, and uh, you know wistful moods. Uh, there's just so much in there. There's so much emotion in that movie, and Battlementi's score helps out a great deal. Because you know, there's there's only so much you can do with visuals sometimes, and uh, but it's just it it, it really is just, just a a thing of beauty. I, I and that particular music that you just heard uh, comes from sort of basically the the penultimate scene when you know Alvin Strait is just about to reach the end of his journey, and I mean I'm, I don't want to give anything away as far as the the plot goes, but I mean the whole point of the journey, you know, it's. It is something that, you know, if you don't know it, as the character, the character doesn't really know which way it's going to go. And the closer you get to it, obviously, the more trepidation you're going to feel. So. But there's there's a lot of emotion and, and a lot of aching feelings, and the music just expresses that so brilliantly. Uh, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, also, I, this is the oh, go ahead. I, I just quick. I, I also remembered my favorite shot in the movie, <laughs> which is where uh you know, Alvin is basically just, you know, puttering down the road and the camera just sort of cranes up and then you get a nice look at, you know, there's some fluffy clouds in the sky. And that's usually that's where a scene is going to end and they're going to yeah. fade away to something else. And instead, then the camera just comes back down again and you see that he's only about 75 feet away from where he was the last time we saw him. And on, on the one hand, <laughs> it's very useful in that it really gives you yeah. a, a clear idea of just how long this is going to take. But also, in terms of film grammar, it's a really funny joke. And yeah. and it, th that shot, I was instantly reminded of that shot when I saw the last shot of The Fablemans. And, oh, you know, man. the fact that, that, you know, David Lynch was, you know, lurking about in, in, in that area, it <laughs> certainly didn't hurt. But, yeah, it was just like, it's, it's really fun. Like that when you see these, these masters. Just basically just sort of, you know, having a little fun with, uh, you know, with what, what they're doing. They can just kind of cut loose and say, hey, here, here's some yucks for you, everybody. Yeah, I, I listened to all these picks today when you, you sent them over. Um, and 
uh, this was the one the, the one I was like, I got to watch this movie again because it's been so long since I've seen it. But I remember being blown away by it. Uh, it's definitely, given my age, it's the first Lynch film I would have seen in a theater. Um, and it was because it was a Disney release. It was not at like an art house theater. It was at the AM or the uh, um, was it an AMC? Yeah, it was an AMC. Um, and I remember sitting there, I had gone to see it alone. And I remember sitting there in the theater and seeing like families come in and thinking like, how's this going to go? <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause I, I hadn't seen the movie yet. I didn't know. It was like, is this going to be, uh, are these kids going to be bored out of their minds? Are the parents going to leave in a huff? But no, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful movie. Um, uh, yeah, I I I I need to watch it again. I immediately went to I went to just watch it right now to just see if it's streaming anywhere. And it occurred to me like, oh yeah, of course it's streaming. It's on Disney Plus. It's a Disney movie. Yeah, um, there you go. So yeah, you, you can watch it on Disney Plus, and I might do so again very soon because it is it's been a while. Um, and uh, but, but yeah, I remember uh, I remember a lot about it. Um, uh, I don't remember the name of the girl in the movie. Um, but I liked that section. The runaway uh, girl. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I don't think she's a known actor. Um, based on the IMDb here. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Right, well, I didn't see anything when I was looking on Wikipedia. But uh, yeah. yeah, now and also now that since since Disney has it, at least here in the states, now that that makes me worry that we might not ever see like a Blu-ray release. Right. I mean, at least right. not in this country. We might, you know, it might be, might they might have it on an import somewhere else. But, uh, I mean, but then again, you never know because I mean, the Criterion Collection. I mean, they've done a lot of stuff with David Lynch, and they they have done a couple of things with Disney. So, you know, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if we can start yeah. a you know a petition or a letter writing campaign or something. But I mean, that it it is a, a vague possibility. So you know we shouldn't necessarily lose all hope. You know they. You know, what, wait, what did they just do? Wally. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah, they did Wally. But before that, announced it. Is it out already? No, it's out or now. It I, I, I have oh, it. Is it. Up. But oh, okay. but even before that, back you know in the DVD era, you know they put out Armageddon and The Rock yeah, the touch, and touch uh, stuff. Dead yeah. Presidents. So you know it's I I think maybe but you know the fact that Wally is fairly recent, so I think that that could be a hopeful sign. But and. It would just be lovely if they could uh, if they could bring out uh, the straight story. I mean, I, I have it on DVD, but I, I would like something a little yeah. higher resolution. <laughs> um, so we can uh, we can move on here, but I do want to you know we're not talking about everything, um, but he did I, as far as I remember because I know I had the CD. For for Danny Boyle's The Beach, he did yeah. one one song with Orbital. Is that right? I think that's uh, right. You know, he's he has done. Danny Bo- oh, go ahead. He has done you know collaborations with the various pop musicians, and and I know like he and David Lynch did an album together with Julie Cruz. Um, also, yeah. somewhere in in the nineties, shortly before uh, the Straight Story, uh, Battlementi co-wrote and produced an entire album with uh, Marianne Faithful. Oh, 
which is uh, cool. yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, that was the thing. I she, wouldn't have known who that was at that time, but yeah. Oh yeah, and and when she had just been coming off of a couple of collaborations with uh, Hal Wilner, who is uh, you know one of my favorite record producers actually. So you know, she can she can pick them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unfortunately, nothing that she did in the '90s really uh, caught on with uh, with record buyers, which is kind of a shame. That was that was the thing. She, you know, she kind of hit a peak in 79 with Broken English. And then because everybody just went crazy about that record and rightfully so it's a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. But then after that, it's like, you know, she was just trying to try to get into some kind of groove and it just didn't happen. But because she is who she is, it's like, you know, people are going to show up for her. It just. Well, yeah, I remember the in the early 2000s, was the album called Sliding Through Life on Charm or was that just the song from it but it was i, I think uh, that was the name of it that was with uh with yeah. uh john bryan okay yeah but also like she did a beck song billy corgan like wrote a song for her. like all all these yeah. like people who would come along yeah. after her you know yeah jarvis cocker wrote a song with her right, right. Uh, blur did a song with her it's it's it was pretty amazing yeah Cause, yeah because you know everybody uh, loves her yeah uh i was just you know scrolling through the filmography on I'm to be just seeing the beach and, remember, and remembering that uh, listening to that CD because the beach and just Danny Boyle is often very much more about like needle drops and, and, you know, like using songs as, as opposed to score. And that's mostly what the beach is, but there's still one in there. Uh, all right. So now we're on to the penultimate of, of your, of your five, um, which I definitely have seen in a theater multiple times uh, and have on Blu-ray, uh, Criterion Blu-ray. It's, uh, once again, David Lynch, uh, Mulholland Drive. Should we hear that bit of music right now? Oh, sure.
and that's that's another really good mood setter because that that is the the music over the uh, the main titles where you know we just again you don't know what's going to happen and then after it's happened you still don't necessarily know what's happened in that movie <laughs> but uh that's oh man i would i remember because when I, I i when i came it came out and i saw it and it was the strangest thing that year 2001 there were two movies i saw in theaters where at the end the credits started to roll and some guy behind me said something along the lines of what the hell was that all about <laughs> mulholland drive was one and the other one was ai huh. <laughs> so is people just uh yeah just people not into some things that year i guess yeah but uh, uh, uh go ahead. yeah i mean I, i've seen the movie like a zillion times since then and uh I mean, I, I love all the theories that people have about, you know, what it's about and what this is and what that is and all that kind of stuff. I I love, you know, reading about them. But also one of the things ultimately that I I just do out of habit with David Lynch movies is that I don't try to put anything together. I David Lynch yeah. movies, I just kind of sit there and let them happen at me. Yeah, I think I learned that lesson very on watching uh, Lost Highway in my friend's bedroom when I was in high school on VHS. And at a certain point, just going like, I'm just going to have to like give up and just watch this. <laughs> yeah, and I've read theories about that one, too. But uh, I mean, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, yeah, that's that, that's the thing. It's like David Lynch and Bob Dylan are just there do two guys that it's not going to do you any good to ask them questions and whatever it is they want you to know about them. It's going to be in their work. And that's that. And you can take yeah. that work or, you know, that the, you can just try and figure out something on your own, but you're not getting anywhere with those guys. And that's one of the things yeah, that I love about them. Um, uh, isn't, I think David Lynch's quote is um, you make a movie and then people want, you to talk about it. The movie is the talking is what yeah. I remember him saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we, we, we skipped over, uh, lost highway, but that's another one that I owned the soundtrack and listened to a lot in my, uh, 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 teen, teen years. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mulholland drive. I saw at a theater. Um, I believe I saw it at a theater in Chicago called the three penny. um, it did. It cost more than three pennies to see movies there, but I saw it with uh, with Tyler, and we had uh, quite different reactions to it. I mean, Tyler also loves Mall and Drive, but I think he uh, didn't know what to make of it at the time. And I, maybe because I'd already had that epiphany watching Lost Highway, I was like not trying to make anything of it. And I remember. I, remember, I specifically remember um, riding the train back home to our apartment with Tyler. And, uh, and, and, and being like, I feel like I took some kind of drug and him being like, <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, um, he didn't hate it. And, and he, there's another number of movies that like when we lived together that I took Tyler to that he didn't know what to make of at the time and now loves the, the number one example is, um, the Werkmeister harmonies, um, the Bellatar movie, which I, I dragged him to to see with me um and he was like completely baffled by it but couldn't get it out of, out of his head in his sense like 
bought the DVD and watched watched it multiple times, and and he he loves that movie. But yeah, um, Mulholland Drive. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious about something else. It's because you aren't from here, right. and you so you were in the Midwest, and then eventually you came here. Does does your perception of Mulholland Drive do do you look at it any differently now that you're you or you do perceive anything differently or is it there's stuff that you recognize in the movie you know that you, you know, of course you had no idea what it was before you came here you know does does living here in Los Angeles affect your perception of Mulholland Drive in any way? Uh, pro- I think that's probably true of almost every movie that's set in Los Angeles because I've lived um, in Los Angeles I think. If it hasn't happened now, it will happen before the end of 2023. I will have lived in Los Angeles longer than I ever lived in St. Louis. So I like now I think of myself as an Angelino. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, lots of movies that I saw before, um, I think differently of now, or even movies that I saw after I moved here, you know, I, I know some people get, some listeners get annoyed at my like hangups about geography, you know? Um, well, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like at the end of, uh, knocked up, like we know where his apartment is. Why is he driving North on the PCH? Is it's just so <laughs> that you can have the shot with the ocean in it, I guess. But like, it doesn't make any sense from yeah, <laughs> but that's, where that's- he should go in. That's stuff only uh, only we're going to know, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens in like because um, I've lived in Chicago, too, in my best friend's wedding and another movie that I love. Um, when Cameron Diaz picks Julia Roberts up at the airport, we see them driving down Lakeshore Drive and they're going the wrong way based on what we know of like where O'Hare is and where well, they live. It's they're going the, the wrong way. <laughs> based on what you know, I have no idea. I've never yeah, been yeah. there before. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's weird is having, you know, lived here for you know, pretty much my whole life. And then, you know, you see how you you see stuff in movies uh, and you can say, oh, well, I, I know where that is. And I've been in there and so forth. But the one weird phenomenon that has plagued me for a long time is when I is it, it goes one of two ways. Either I'll be just going someplace and I'll see some location shooting and I'll say, Oh, I wonder what that's going to be. And then I never see the finished product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The other, the flip side of that is that I'll see something in the movies or on TV and I'll be like, that, that was, that's right around the corner from me. What I didn't, how did I not know this was happening? Son yeah. of a bitch. Cause the, the, you know, there was that, that movie with uh, Dwayne Johnson, I think it was called faster. Uh, okay. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but in the no. opening, okay, well, in the opening scene, he he gets out of prison, he gets in a, you know, it's a sports car and he drives someplace and then he walks across the street and goes into a building and he kills somebody. Well, that, that street, it's, it's right down here. It's, it's Devonshire. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I know where that is, but and there's only so far, there's only been one time when I stumbled across, across a, a film set and then I saw the movie and it's for a uh, uh, licorice pizza. Because that's another one they filmed just over here, like a couple of blocks away from where I live. They they just took a stretch of uh, about a block, a block and a half of Devonshire, and they just sort of set dressed it to look like the 1970s. And it was like in the middle of the the first year of the uh, the pandemic, so I was working yeah. from home, and so you know I just went out to get some tacos or something, and and I saw this and I thought, and I I had a hunch that that's what it was. 
because I remember reading that Paul Thomas Anderson was going to make a movie that was set in the 1970s in the San Fernando Valley. And I'm looking at the, you know, the, the set dressing. And I think, yeah, maybe this is it. And then later on, I saw the movie and, and it's like, finally, finally, I saw some, a movie being made. And then I saw the movie that's never happened to me before my whole damn life. It, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to Natalie and my old, we lived in North Hollywood and yeah, during the pandemic, she was out on one of her morning walks and she walked by the El Portal Theater at, um, uh, is that Lancashire? Just Lancashire. Right? Yeah. Right by the yeah. federal. Um, yeah. Um, and she saw like, you know, film crew and stuff. And she saw they had changed the marquee to say on her majesty's secret service and the mechanic. Um, uh, are they, is that, do I have the wrong bond movie? What would have been 72 or 73? 73 would have been live and let die. Oh, maybe it's live and let die in the mechanic. Anyway, it's a bond movie and it's the mechanic. And that's what's on the marquee at El Portal. And she like took a picture. She came home and she showed me and she was like, I think I walked by the new PTA movie. They like had looking like the 1970s. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then, so we finally go to see the movie and like, we're loving the movie, but secretly we're sitting there waiting. Like, when are we going to see the El Portal? And it goes on and it goes on and on. And I'm thinking like either like, Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe that was a different set that Natalie walked by that also happened to be a set in the early 70s, or maybe the scene got cut. And then lo and behold, it's the very end of the movie when they run uh, down the sidewalk and embrace each other under the under the marquee. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was great. That's uh, so, so close to my old apartment. Now, I don't know. I don't live near anything interesting enough for people to to to, to shoot right now, I don't think. Um uh yeah but they used to i mean when i lived in north hollywood the north hollywood park um they used to shoot stuff there all the time usually tv shows i'd see um the lucifer tv show would would be there um there was a a show i can't remember what network it was on called all american um the, it was a tv show from a few years ago it might still be on it's basically kind of like uh it's a it's a show about a like poor black kid from south la who's really good at football and gets sort of like um gets to like goes to high school in beverly hills because someone like uh yeah takes him under the wing because they want him to play for maybe it was pacific palisades whatever some like rich la neighborhood um he goes to anyway i never i never really watched the show but they used to shoot in north hollywood all the time Hmm. um uh yeah um Miley Cyrus shot her, uh, I guess it would have been the pandemic Grammys when they were like, it was like virtual and there were a bunch of performances that were all shot like at different places. And, and Miley Cyrus shot one that was just her like suspended in a, in a dark warehouse. Um, that was, uh, one of the warehouses right along Chandler, just, uh, um, uh, just North of North Hollywood park. Anyway, stuff used to shoot there all the time. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One time uh, I came up the, the North Hollywood station. I came up the, the, from the subway and they had all of these uh, posters of Tony Goldwyn all over the place. It turned out they were shooting a flashback for scandal. It was like a flashback to his original, like his like presidential campaign. And it was supposed to be like campaign stuff. But then one time I was watching modern family and they had a whole scene, uh, at the North Hollywood station. And I was like, you were saying, I was like, how did I miss that? Yeah. Modern family was around the corner for me. Uh, anyway, we've gotten so far off track. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, one, well, one last thing before we move off my hole and drive, uh, that, that, uh, 
that movie also features an appearance by Angelo Badalamenti. He's in okay. the movie very briefly. So that's, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember he, remember he plays uh, Mr. Castigliani, the guy who didn't like the, the espresso. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, him. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you reminded me of how we originally got into the question of um, that, that you were asking me about uh, seeing movies. One thing I've reflected on is that the picture of movies, the picture of Los Angeles that the movies give is not, I mean, if you happen to live in along Melrose or in Beverly Hills or at the beat like Venice, yeah. you know, that's a lot of what you see, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's not the day-to-day experience. So it's it's interesting to have moved here and then thought back and be like, oh, so what movies actually look like Los Angeles looks like? Um, and definitely from from my formative years, Jackie Brown and The Limey are both like LA movies that like yeah. look like LA. Um, uh, definitely, I think Boys in the Hood looks more Los Angeles than something like Pretty Woman. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to go uh, further yeah. back uh, to. Uh, Model Shop, the uh, Jacques Demy film, really does remind me of what L.A. looked like when I was a kid. I mean, I was like a little, little kid. You know, I mean, the movie that was 69, I was born like a couple of years before that. But I mean, if you you could move like forward like three, four years uh, into the 70s and L.A. still pretty much looked like Model Shop. So Um, so, so that that one always. um, Did you ever see uh, I think it's like late 60s, early 70s. It's like a schlocky B-horror movie called The Witch That Came From The Sea. No, um, it's not actually about a witch. It's about a uh, uh, disturbed young woman who uh, seduces and murders men. But it Did also she come from the sea. <laughs> she spends a lot of time staring out at the sea. There's a whole backstory about how her her father drowned um, in some or something. Um, but anyway, it's set in the late '60s in Santa Monica at a time like Santa Monica. Now I think of as being very Tony and very you know very expensive. Oh, yeah. But this is like late sixties, like kind of like grimy seaside bar, like yeah. uh, um, Santa Monica. That's a fantastic. Uh, it's actually a really good movie, but it's also just a fantastic portrait of a Santa Monica that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, they, you know, for a number of years, it was just kind of, kind of run down and sort of a little generic. And after it really was after things over in Westwood Village went to hell. Then all of a sudden, everybody started moving over to Santa Monica and things really just kind of picked up there. And then Westwood turned into a ghost town and suddenly Santa Monica was the hip and happening place to be. Uh, if you if you see uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, that, you know, that gives you an idea of what the Third Street Promenade used to look like. Because yeah. the scene where the the bicycle shop is yeah. that that whole that whole section of the film that was shot on the Third Street Promenade, and it, it yeah, doesn't look anything like that now. Now yeah, it's just yeah. like really very busy. But uh, yeah. yeah, back then it was just it was just kind of like a, a run. It almost had like a small town vibe. Uh, all right. Well, let's get back to Battle Menti, but not back to Lynch. We're we're ending the the list. Um, with a non-Lynch movie, uh, Stephen Schamberg's 2002 film, Secretary. Uh, Let's real quick hear that.
I've never been sure what to make of this movie. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I know ultimately it's, it is really sort of in its own way about acceptance, uh, mm-hmm. which is, is something that, you know, I think we should all have uh, a little more. We could all use a little more of that in our lives uh, now more than ever. But, uh, but it's, it's kind of, it's always kind of strange to see a story about something that you agree with, but put in a way that you might not have put it yourself had you had yeah. the opportunity to to tell that story you know, to, to make that point uh so but you know it is a movie that you know it does fascinate me uh maggie gyllenhaal is just uh i mean that was i think that was the first time that i saw her in anything that i can recall and i thought she was just uh astounding and you know i've just you know kept an eye on her ever since uh james yeah, spader is uh, really good uh now he's on that tv show that i stopped watching uh but uh red bla- blacklist black blacklist is that still on it uh, is yeah, I, don't, I think wow. this i think they're on their last season now i don't know but i would like okay i, I started watching it just because he was on it and uh but after a couple of seasons i was like well this isn't this isn't change. There's nothing going on here. That's going to be any different. It was like, you know, so I just, I decided to walk away. Yeah. 10th and final season. It's on. Yeah. There um, you go. Yeah. I, uh, um, so the, well, I guess let's talk about the song that you picked really quick. Cause it's a move back, not quite all the way in the direction of, of the pink room from Firewalk with me, but this yeah. is another sort of, uh, uh, bluesy guitar and drums song. Yeah. But it's, it's got a sort of a, a weird, kind of a, a vibe to it. it it in in a way it, it, a little bit here and there it, there's touches of it that remind me of brian eno for some reason but um huh. it's just uh yeah it's this is kind of it's got a very uh, uh odd mood to it and this is the music that basically plays over the the end credits so this is this is where they're sending you home you're they're sending you home on this vibe which is you know it it's it's a good kind of summation of where we are <laughs> emotionally at the end of this story you know it's like though this is this is what it is you can deal with it or you can take a walk <laughs> yeah yeah i um i'm very fond of, of of that movie and uh it's been a long time though since i've seen it. i didn't realize that that's what this song was um because yeah it does and 
in in a way that I find uh, refreshingly like uncompromising or um, uh, but not like in a bold way. I guess I guess the word I'm looking for is what you said. It's just acceptance. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I I watched this movie probably on DVD um, in in Chicago because my uh, girlfriend at the time loved it and was like, "Oh, you haven't seen this?" It would have only been two or three years old at this point. She was like, "You didn't see Secretary?" Uh, and I watched it with her, and that's when I was reminded, "Oh yeah, women love James Spader." <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe the blacklist has has taken some of the uh, <laughs> the 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 shine off uh, of James Spader, but uh, uh, yeah, people think he's very sexy, and I don't I don't blame him. Uh, but yeah, as far as Megan Gyllenhaal, she would have been in Donnie Darko before this, right? Oh Donnie yeah, Darko. that's right. But I didn't I didn't see that yeah. movie when it came out. It was one of those okay. things that because of the cult reputation that it acquired, I I saw it of you know sort of somewhere further down the road and uh and then i tried to see that guy's next movie and I, tales yeah i couldn't i couldn't get through that just I, yeah I, I watched it for the first time uh during during the pandemic like during the quarantine um and uh i'm glad i watched it i i don't i can't get on board with the people who love it but i'm glad it exists um it seems like such a portrait of its era you know the sort of like reality tv and the iraq war like just all like that at the same time yeah. is, is uh um uh it's a it's a really interesting movie definitely uh but yeah so that's where we're ending uh that's not you know the last movie that angela angela battlementi did he worked with paul schrader for autofocus uh he did the music for eli ross cabin fever which i don't i uh, can't say that i remember um that well i remember thinking the movie's okay yeah, he did like uh, uh three i think maybe three or four movies with paul schrader as a matter of fact well as i was gonna say actually he did um dominion the prequel to the exorcist and and only that when when they took that movie away from uh from paul schrader and largely reshot reshot it with uh is rennie harlan is that who yeah, Rennie Harlan. Yeah, and then renamed it The Exorcist, The Beginning. They also took away his music. Um, Trevor Rabin. I, I just had to look it up. Trevor Rabin did the music for Exorcist, The Beginning, which I never saw. I only ever saw the Paul Schrader movie when it came out on DVD. I don't think it ever got, it never got released theatrically. It, was, it, it came out later right, on, right. On, on DVD uh, with some very, uh, uh, unfortunately, low budget CGI, um, you know, because I guess whatever studio has the exorcist is that Fox Warner brothers, Warner brothers. Uh, they yeah. weren't going to pay for the CGI that the movie was <laughs> probably required. But, uh, I, I thought that I thought dominion was, was good. Um, let's see. He worked with, uh, Jean-Pierre Junet on a very long engagement. He had also done the city uh, of lost children. Of lost yeah. children. Yeah. Uh, another, yeah, there are, I, I mentioned before, um, I, I think, with Nightmare on Elm Street, that he he seems he can be creepy and he seems suited to horror. Uh, he's all these movies that I watch, but I don't specifically remember the um, the music to, like Cabin Fever. Also, uh, Walter says his Dark Water, which I, I remember being a much better uh, uh, mid aughts horror flick than than people give it credit for with Jennifer Connelly and John C. Riley. Um, he did that music. I can't say I remember it, but definitely seems fitted to him. Oh, I did see Forty Four Inch Chest, which is kind of a stodgy movie um but uh i do actually kind of remember his uh 
a kind of drony music uh in that so yeah um i'm trying to think i'm, I'm just scrolling through true and okay i'm try, was trying to see if there's anything else major uh yeah so um I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad we got to uh, pay some respects to Angelo Bettelamenti since he won't be the subject of our next profile. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess stay tuned or just, you know, check out my letterbox and you'll probably find out who our next profile is. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, do you have any more um, thoughts on, on Angelo Bettelamenti? Any more uh, recommendations outside of the world of film scores? Um, I know you, you mentioned some other, other projects he's done. Anything else come to mind? Uh, no, just like, again, I mentioned like, the stuff that he did with, uh, Lynch and, and Julie Cruz. He also did a sort of, a yeah. kind of dark, uh, techno jazz avant-garde type album with David Lynch, uh, under the name thought gang, which is, uh, is pretty weird. David Lynch's forays into music are, I mean, unexpected, but, but welcome. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but he's, he, these they've done some really interesting stuff together. But overall, just, yeah, you can see through that, uh, through his filmography that he's good with, you know, we've seen he's good with, uh, with sort of more, you know, orchestral elements, but, you know, he can, he can do stuff with synthesizers. He can do mm-hmm. like pop oriented stuff. He can do sort of you know, like electronic oriented stuff. He can do a lot of like kind of jazz stuff too. You know, he has a, a pretty firm, solid background in, in jazz music as well. So, yeah. He is was, that, I'm trying to remember that I know there's a lot of jazz type stuff in lost highway. Is that, is yeah. that his, that's his. Yeah. Okay. Cause I know there's also um, at least one like Barry Adamson song on that soundtrack uh, that I really like, but I didn't know if the jazz, the jazz is also Angelo Bedalmenti. Good. Yeah. He was just uh, a fairly versatile guy, you know, just and an, and an all around fine composer. You know, it's, it's a shame that, uh, that, that he's gone. Well, um, thanks. You can, you can find, uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can, uh, like I mentioned, Tyler's GoFundMe. You can, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Follow, uh, uh, email me at, at, at David at battleshipretention.com. Check out my other podcast that I do with my wife. It's called The One Where I Met Your Mother. We watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. And, uh, and, and that one's a lot of fun. We're almost through season four. So, um, uh which means we recently finally heard joey say his like how you doing which i because I, I never watched the show before and i kept marveling like man we're three seasons into the show i know this is his catchphrase and i haven't heard it um but by the end of season four he finally starts saying how you doing so uh i don't know check out the show and listen to me and natalie talk about that uh west where uh would you like people to find you <laughs> Uh, if you have to find me anywhere uh i am definitely on twitter and instagram as dr west anthony that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for, for being here and, and for once again, gracing us with your uh, uh, presence as our resident musicologist. Uh, thank you for having me. It's always great yeah, to well, be thank- here. And thank you at home for listening and we'll get you next time. Bye.